back everybody we are here once again this is up back through a soccer coaching podcast that is brought to you by running the show a blog for everyone in love with the beautiful game uh my name is eddie prue i am a skills and individual player development uh specialist in the seattle washington area and as always i am joined by the tactical master from sweden david Cellini. david good morning to you how are you doing man Good morning. I'm doing. I'm doing well. Uh, yeah. So summer's is summer's upon us, and you know the weather's really nice here right now. And we have you know training each night almost. So um, yeah, it couldn't be better in in terms of of uh, preparations for for the season when that you know whenever that will start for us. Uh, they've said end of June now, so hopefully we can get playing at some point. Uh, but yeah, we we're working hard, and uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it. Nice man. Yeah, I've seen. Quite a bit on the social media of what's going on in Sweden right now. It's I love this time of year. It's the best, and uh, yeah, makes me miss it. But uh, yeah, hopefully we will be playing soon. They're talking about uh, different places in the U.S. are starting to open up uh, more and more. So hopefully we are on that path, and hopefully the summer kind of ushers in that uh, you know that next uh, next chapter. But anyway, it's also that time of year coming to the end of the year before the summer break uh, for most of our big European uh, seasons that we follow. And uh, dang, there's some good ones out there, man. It's, uh, it's a fun, fun title race in a couple of countries and uh, fun races of other sorts in other countries. And England is a fun Champions League race going on. Uh, one game left. So yeah, let's start. Um, let's start in France. Why don't we with, uh, with Ligue 1? I know uh, we had the the uh, Lille episode a little bit earlier this year, and you wrote that awesome uh, tactical piece on on how they play and everything. Uh, that was a fun episode, and dude, I can't get enough of Lille. They're they're just uh, they're killing it, and with one game to go, all they 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 just got to win, and the uh, league gun title is theirs. What do you what do you have to say about Lille? Yeah, uh, not not a lot from from what we you know dived or uh, dove into in that. Uh... In that episode we did, uh, I mean, they're an extremely well-run club, like like we said. And I mean, tactically, they they've been really interesting with their with their version of, of positional play. So uh, you know, it's been great watching them. And um, it's, there's no, it's not a secret that we hope that they they actually go and clinch this <laughs> and win it. Uh, we like we as we said then when when these smaller clubs, uh, which they are, if you compare them to like PSG and and even Lyon and Monaco. Uh, when they do stuff really well, uh, it's 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 good to see them being rewarded for that. And uh, if they w- could win this title, which would be their first in a decade, that would be that would be awesome. So uh, we're we're hoping that that they can clinch the league on on Sunday. It's gonna be it's gonna be a tense final day. Uh, so uh, for people that, that, that might not know, Lille are one point clear of PSG going into the final day, and they play Angers away from home. Uh, which is a game they, you know, in theory should win. Uh, they're obviously top of the league, uh, and Andre are twelfth. And I think they've they've had they have like one win in the last five and four four losses. So it's a game that Lille should win. But you know, it's a, it's going to be nervy and it's going to be one of those days that where anything can happen really. And uh, I think PSG are at home to uh, a team at the bottom of the league called called Brest. Uh, so it's going to yeah. be they're they're away they're away to Brest but they're away uh, but yeah all right doesn't shouldn't uh, so, matter shouldn't matter either I mean that's so though so they have a really good chance of of winning that game obviously uh, but then I mean you should always factor in that that the Brest will will fight for their lives because if they lose and and uh, they are unlucky in terms of the other results for the other bottom teams like Lorient and and Nantes they might drop out of the league so they obviously have something to play for. Uh, but PSG obviously go into that game as massive favorites. So, so Lille really need to, to probably beat Ange um, to to be sure of of, of win it. And uh, yeah, uh, it would be a great story if they did. It would be a great story. It would be so cruel if they did not on the final day because they've said they've been on top for most of the year. 
so I, I hope they finish there. And uh, yeah, man, they're just so fun to watch and such a well-run club. And we were just talking before we started recording about uh, the uh, rumor of Bubakari Samare to Leicester. And, uh, or is it, is it, is it a deal? Is it done? Or is it just, uh, is it, is it what's going on? Do you know the status of that? Yeah, I think, I think uh, it's very close. I haven't seen official confirmation, but uh, it, it appears that the deal is very close to being done. Okay, well, the, the, the figure that I saw being tossed around was like in the region of 30 million. And I'm like, that seems like a steal. But <laughs> like, uh, like you said, Leicester are kind of, um, you know, uh, the, the Premier League's version of Lille in that yeah. they, uh, you know, they, they, they do really clever business. They uh, fill positions very uh intelligently whether or not that it's their own uh products or if they you know just find players that um have a ton of potential or you know also like they 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 do it like lil they pull talent from all over in all in all different ways um and yeah so hopefully uh that deal goes through and we get to see that guy in the premier league because i think he's i think he's class yeah and i I mean we shouldn't get too too uh, deep into Leicester when we talk about the French league, but but uh, they're one of the smartest operators as a club, I think, in terms of, of recruitment. So it wouldn't be surprising to see them clinch a deal for a player that that has so much quality and uh, as Samari does. So it would be a really smart signing for them. Um, you know, a, a bit more information on the title race. We could just say that that if since it's so close, it's just one point separating them. So they could actually finish level on points if, say, Lille would lose to Andre and PSG would, would only draw uh, their game. Then you would have the teams ending up on the same on the same point, and then and then PSG would win on goal difference because French mm-hmm. the French football decides their their positions based on goal difference rather than head to head record. So uh, Lille need to make sure that they probably better PSG's results or at least uh, you know get the same level of points uh, then they then they will be sure of winning that that first title for a decade and I mean you could even uh, I mean we're not going to say that they can win it but Monaco could in theory still win the mm-hmm. league because <laughs> if PSG would suffer a really heavy loss and and lose 18 goals on Monaco and and Lille would lose six, and Monaco would would you know win their game comfortably. Then Monaco could leapfrog them both of them, uh, but that's that's obviously going to be quite impossible. But in theory, they they still have a chance. Uh, other other than that, they they will mostly focus on keeping Lyon behind them in the race for the final Champions League spot in third. So, yeah, and the relegation battle is is intense as well. I think I think you have let's see one Dijon two, three, four, Dijon five. is on. Or no, what are you gonna say? Five or six teams that can that can go out. Yeah, uh, on the final Strasbourg, day. So it's gonna be yeah. an an incredible final day of the season in in France, uh, which uh, we are looking forward to. Uh, I think Sunday night is gonna be special because we have we have the French league and the and the Italian league finishing up roughly around the same time. So it's gonna be a a busy evening on on Sunday in the Salini household. <laughs> and I know you'll probably be watching the uh, Atalanta game, but. Would you, you you'll be rooting for Atalanta? Your family might be rooting for Milan, but uh, yeah, they're they're gonna finish second. That's quite a feat for them. I mean, they've been in the they've been in the Champions League last couple of seasons. They've, but I mean now they're, you know, it's always difficult. Like a, a team can can qualify for the Champions League on a on a whim every once in a while, but mm. uh, sustaining that level for a few seasons is difficult. And again, it's I, I don't mean to keep uh, looking at Leicester, but Leicester, one team that. I frankly didn't know, like after they won the league, uh, was it in 15? 16, yeah. 16. I mean, nobody in the in the world saw that coming, but I was like, okay, well, what are they going to do now? You know, are they going to stick around mm. the top? Or are they just going to, you know, fall back to 10th or whatever? Mm. Um, and they've they've stuck around. But Atlanta, like, you know, they're, they're set up for success. They have a really good squad. They have a really good coach. They... Um, they they laid the infrastructure and hopefully they are in the Champions League spots from for some years to come. But it's the Italians. Uh, the Italian league has been fun this year and it's so nice to see anybody but Juventus end up on top. Yeah, uh, uh, the only people who would probably disagree with that is obviously Juventus fans. But <laughs> uh, the Italian league, as you say, go into it uh, an interesting final day as well. Uh, if we move there and. 
the relegation battle is finished, so we have three teams going out. It's Benevento, Crotone and Parma. And then uh, Inter won the league, so it's the Champions League race that's that's still uh, up for grabs. And as you mentioned, Atalanta are are basically, you know, they, they're going to finish in the top four and they have secured Champions League football for a third consecutive season, which is insane for someone like me who grew up with, like, as you, you kind of alluded to there, like, my family on the Italian side is from the region around Bergamo and we um, we've always seen Atalanta and we'll follow the results and stuff and they've always been a, a, like a yo-yo club like in the in the early parts of the you know 21st century they they kept going uh, up and down between Serie A and Serie B um, so f- for them to even be in the top half of the table is an achievement and that that, that would be considered success and now They've qualified for Europe for I don't know five seasons in a row, and they're for the Champions League in in three of them, uh, which is you know it's mental, it's insane. They've been in the knockout uh, stages of the Champions League two years in a row as well. So it's just what they're doing now is incredible, and we could spend an entire episode on on just what they do tactically, what they do in terms of of recruitment, what they do in terms of player development, and probably should. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure I was going to say we sh- we definitely probably will at some point sooner than yeah. later, I'm sure. Yeah, and it's just, it's going to be interesting. So even if they have secured top four, I mean, they haven't finished second yet because they they could still be overtaken by, by both Milan and Napoli uh, on the final day, but they look likely to finish second. And uh, it's, as I said, it's it's an in, it's an unreal achievement to, to keep doing this, like uh, sustaining this this level of success for a club of that size. When you look at the teams they go up against, so they go up against Inter and Milan, who are traditionally the, the big two in the in the Lombardy region where Atalanta are, are located. And then you have Juventus, obviously. You have the two Rome clubs, uh, and you have uh, Napoli as well. So it's just. They go up against teams with vastly superior resources. I think Fiorentina, uh, Sampdoria, Genoa, those teams uh, have you know greater resources as well. So it's just what they're doing is, is incredible. And um, looking at the league now, I, I mean, they've scored more goals than anyone. So 90 goals in the league, uh, telling you a bit how they approach games and how they will approach the final game of the season, which... You know, invitingly for anyone who wants to watch, uh, is Milan at home. So Milan will travel to Atalanta, and the standings are Atalanta are on 78 points in second, and then you have Milan and Napoli in third and fourth on 76, and Juventus in fifth on 75. So going into the final day, and Italy uses head-to-head records uh, to to uh, you know make sure where teams do, do finish. And Atalanta has a superior record against Juventus, which means that even if Atalanta would lose and Juventus would win their game, then they would finish on the same level, on the same amount of points. But Atalanta has the superior head-to-head record and will and will then uh, finish above them. So Atalanta are, are you know, they're secure in, in the top four. They play Milan. So Milan have a really tough game because there's no way that Atalanta will just, you know, roll over and allow Milan to come there and win. Because they will obviously want to finish second. That's a that's a huge achievement for the club. Uh, so Milan has a really tough day ahead of them on on Sunday, uh, and they probably need to win because the other two, Napoli play uh, against Hellas Verona, and I I think when I looked at this earlier that Hellas haven't won in eight games or something like that. Uh, so even if they have been you know quite impressive this season. Napoli should be considered massive favorites, uh, and it's a home game as well. And they only need to, if they win, they're they're in in the Champions League. So it's just um, it's going to be it's difficult to see them not doing that. And then you look at Juventus, who have a final chance there to rescue their season in a, in a way. They won the the cup the other night against Atalanta, which was painful uh, for, for all of us that uh, wanted Atalanta to, to, to get a trophy as well in this period. So they've lost two cup finals now, which is heartbreaking. But um, uh, they play Bologna uh, away from home. And Bologna are also out of form, uh, haven't won in six. So it looks likely that Juventus and Napoli will be able to get wins in the on the final day. And then they will both finish above Milan if Milan does not beat Atalanta away and that that's looking that's looking tough so we have an incredible Sunday night ahead of us in Italy as well 
and uh, to round it out with the big leagues and uh, well, not not quite. We, we'll talk about England, the Champions League going, race going on there. But uh, let's jump to Spain, where the the actual title is not decided yet. There's just one one round left to play there as well. And uh, Atletico sitting top. I love I love that. I don't really care about Spain, but I love that it's not Barcelona or or, or Madrid right now. So, um, what do you have to say? Are they going to pull it? Are they going to uh, pull it out there? Uh, yes, I'm going to stick my neck out and say that. I mean, they were so clear of the other two, like two months ago. Yeah. Uh, they were like 10 points clear or something. And then, you know, gradually that, that gap was being reduced game by game, really. And Barcelona and Madrid kept, kept crawling, uh, nearer. And, uh, I, I thought Barcelona would win because they, they played really well at a point where there were a few games remaining and I felt that they're going to go and win the remaining games but then they haven't won in in three so they're out of it so it's gonna it's a it's a madrid derby for the title really and atletico all they need to do is go to second bottom via the lid and win on the final day um a draw will probably not be enough because real madrid play uh Villarreal, uh at home and spain also uses the head-to-head record and real madrid has better head-to-head record against atletico than yeah, than Atletico obviously. So uh, they can't finish level on points. Then Real Madrid will win the league. So Atletico needs to they need to go to um, to Valladolid, who are as I said second bottom. They still have a chance of staying up. Uh, so they will they will do everything they can to to stay in the league. But if Atletico if if, if Atletico will will uh, be facing ahead of a season the chance of go to Valladolid on the final day, beat them to win the La Liga, then I would assume uh, Diego Simeone would have, you know, he would have uh, eaten your hand to get that. Uh, probably literally, uh, he he that 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 option and that possibility of, of being crowned champions uh, would be you know too good to pass out. And, and Valladolid haven't won in a few games either, so. It's it's looking likely that Atletico will be able to clinch this, but they still need to win the game. And if they don't, Real Madrid will most certainly beat Villarreal uh, when there's a title at stake uh, in the in the final day of the season. So, a uh, really good chance for Atletico to uh, win their first title in seven years and uh, and the you know the the domination of the other two uh, at least for a season. <laughs> well, yeah, and let's hope. Diego Simeone doesn't take you up on that and eat your, eat your hand. I don't know if that's a, that must be a Swedish saying or something, but um, <laughs> no, I hope, I hope Atletico win, man. I do. And uh, yeah, that'd be, that'd be good to see a little bit of change at the top of the tables across Europe. Um, in well, at least in Italy, um, France and, uh, and Spain, those leagues. So uh, yeah. let's jump, let's jump on over to England real quick. Um, not much going on at the top of the table there, but for fourth, it's looking like I thought, you know, it's crazy that Leicester uh, are more, I would say most likely not going to, if I had to, if I had to bet and I don't bet, but if I had to, I'd say that uh, Leicester are going to be the odd man out when it comes to that last Champions League spot. I think Chelsea and Liverpool will uh, finish in third and fourth respective, respectively, but dang, man, let's talk about Allison, it's Allison that saved Liverpool's season. That's that was the craziest thing. <laughs> yeah, what a, I couldn't believe so, that. I was like, you know, it was it was, it was perfectly scripted, you know, because his dad passed away this this season, and yeah. uh, you know, it was that was a beautiful moment. Even if I'm not a Liverpool fan, that was a, a beautiful moment for football, right there. One of those one of those moments. Yeah, uh, and it, I mean the the fight back from Liverpool. Uh, has been very impressive. I mean, they've they obviously had a you know a horrible spell, uh, kind of midway through the season, and uh, then they've they've rescued it. And it again, I mean, you ha- we we talked about Leicester being like a really good uh, operator and a, a well-run club, but I mean they've once again dropped out of the Champions League places when they really shouldn't have, because I mean. If you look at the the gap they had down to fourth and uh, down to fifth, uh, even fourth actually uh, a few weeks ago, then they just needed probably like one win more and they've and they've kind of 
let it slip and you know we realize that they haven't got the the depth of 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 you know of, of the squad as the other teams do so obviously it's going to be it's it's tough for them with the season where the fixtures have have piled up but um yeah it's it's uh, unlucky for them but i mean you couldn't say that liverpool haven't deserved it i mean their form lately has been has been incredible uh and when they when they have the What's that saying in in Britain? Is it the rub or the green, or something like that? <laughs> you have the lack lack on your side, and I mean, this it's not a, like you often see goalkeepers going up for like set pieces and stuff, but it's very rare to, to see goalkeepers score. Uh, so when that when that goes goes your way as well, then you certainly something something is is um, is looking looking it's looking ominous in a way that it will happen. Liverpool will finish in the top four. They will beat Crystal Palace on the final day. Uh, so even if Leicester win against Tottenham, uh, it's looking likely that Liverpool will finish above them. Intriguingly, though, they do use goal difference in England. Uh, so Leicester could potentially, if they, you know, massively uh, win that game against Spurs, like six 0 or something, they could probably overtake Liverpool. Uh, but it's looking likely that Liverpool will stay in the top four, and, and Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea will probably do that as well. Uh, they they also had a, a bit of a tough uh, spell a few weeks ago when when it looked when they lost the East, uh, FA Cup final and they they lost to Arsenal and and you felt that you know maybe they will miss out here but but they've uh, they came back strongly against Leicester in the, in midweek and then they do face a tough tough game at Aston Villa but I, I think Aston Villa's form has kind of dropped off as well when when Grealish. Uh, when Grealish been out, but he's obviously back now. So um, yeah, it could be a tough test, but but surely Chelsea and Liverpool will will clinch those uh, those top four positions now. Well, I would love it if Le- if Leicester could beat Tottenham six zero just for the sake of uh, you know beating Tottenham six zero, but I don't think they will. Like I think it'll play out just like you said. But uh, Let's talk about Tottenham and uh, the the uh, the news that we heard this week about Harry Kane um, telling Daniel Levy that he wants to leave. Uh, I think that's probably a long time coming. It was a shame that they didn't win the Champions League. I didn't think they would, and uh, it's a shame that they didn't win the League Cup this season against City. I don't, frankly, on a separate note, I don't, I don't know what the uh, thought was behind sacking Mourinho a week before whatever it was before the that the league cup final, because if there's, I know, I know the results in the league weren't there, but if you want a guy, if you want a manager to manage a single league cup final, man, it's Mourinho against Pep. There's not many other coaches that have as good a chance as Mourinho to just come up with a single game plan to win, you know? And, uh, that's whatever that's Tottenham and Harry Kane wants to leave and he has every right to, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, he's, uh, there was a an interview released the other day when he speaks to Gary Neville uh, basically about his future and he said something that he's he's been at Tottenham for I don't know how many years 12 or 16 or whatever it was so he's given everything uh, for the club and uh, I think it's similar to to what players in the past I mean there's a great story uh, something we might return to uh, in the future when when uh, Roma won the Scudetto in 2001 uh, and Prior to the season, they signed Gabriel Batistuta from Fiorentina, and Batistuta is obviously an Argentine player, but but he uh, spent I think almost a decade in Florence, and he was he was you know loved and revered in the same way Kane is at, at Tottenham, uh, and then he he also felt that you know it's time for me to to go and try and win some big trophies before I finish, and uh, yeah he signed for Roma, and a season later he he won the Scudetto, uh, so. You could you could see the parallels between the two playing at a, a at a big club, but it's not one of the biggest. And then naturally you wouldn't have as good a chance of winning a league or winning a winning a top European trophy uh, when playing for for that that slightly slightly smaller club than than the other heavyweights in the country. And and then uh, yeah, you could see why a player like him would would want a chance of, of winning a, a league. They obviously had that at Tottenham a few years ago, but they look a long way away from it now. I mean, they're even number—they're they're still third in London uh, when West Ham's overtaken them this season. But 
Uh, there's still a chance if they lose to Leicester that Arsenal will come from behind and and once again finish above them. So um, it's uh, it's looking like it could be a really dark season for Tottenham, and you could you could be understand why Kane would leave. But then the question is, who could sign him, and, and where would he go? I think he would. I think it's between. Well, I don't want to say it's a two. I, I think he will go to City. I think that'll happen before City sign him. Uh, Holland. I don't think he will go to Chelsea. I think United would be the other obvious choice, and uh, I, I just see him. I just see him playing for City for City more than I see him playing for United. I see that deal happening much easier. Um, oh. And I think it would be an incredible signing. I think De Bruyne would absolutely smash the, the assist record with him. <laughs> um, like he, I just, I just see him fitting right in, man. And I, I, I think he, I think he would enjoy his football a lot more. I think he would be another leader in that, in a team of, mm. in a team of leaders. I, I just, I just see it working perfectly. And, the only thing that makes me a little like sad about the whole situation is the fact that that would probably, and this is just something I've heard. I don't know how realistic it is, but if he goes to, if he, if Chelsea are interested, if he, if City are interested, um, and there's a player that Tottenham wants from either of those teams, they're probably going to make it happen somehow. And mm. if they want Gabriel Jesus, like I heard rumored, then that's going to happen. And I, I feel for Jesus because. I think that he, if he could stay healthy, I think that he really could be a 20-goal season striker, 20-goal-a-season striker in the Premier League. But he just has injury problems, and he's always played behind Aguero. He's always come off the bench and done an amazing job. I mean, his goal, his his goal-scoring record at City is is awesome, and he's scored some huge goals for us away at Madrid in the Champions League and on the final day uh, in 2017, uh, 2017, 2018 season. To, to get us to 100 points, you know, when he when he uh, lobbed the keeper at Southampton. Um, you know, I think he's I, – I, I love having him around, and I, I, w- I don't think he'll be the man that leads the line for a team like City, but I think he's I, – I don't know. I just don't want to see him go, and I think, he, I think that'll be part of the deal if that happens. Like I heard when, I was, when he was rumored with uh, – when Kane was rumored with Chelsea, I heard that they were going <laughs> to – just send Timo Werner and Tammy Abraham the other way. And I'm like, that, I mean, that seems a little, I don't know. I don't know what I have to say about that, but uh, that might've been, that might've been a nonsense rumor, but um, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't see Kane moving within London. Uh, I think there's a, there's a difference there. Like uh, for him, if he would, if he would go, uh, which I, I, I think is difficult because it's, it's, signing him, even if you get Daniel Levy to do that, you need to pay, but we're looking at upwards of a hundred of a hundred million, right? So it would be around 120, maybe. And he's 27. Yeah. He's had some niggling injuries, so it's not like he's an incredible striker. But it's not this. I mean, the straightforward type of deal that that I think at first glance you would expect uh, and and you would assume. But I think he wouldn't move within London. He definitely wouldn't move to Chelsea, which is a club with you know a very strong rivalry with Tottenham. Uh, so I, I think if he goes within England, which I do think Liverpool, uh, Liverpool, uh, the Tottenham will not want to sell him within the within the within the league. And then you're looking at okay, which European clubs could could sign him? Is there a case for PSG? Would he really want to go to PSG? Um, nah, I mean, he'd, go to, he'd go to Madrid if anywhere. I, I reckon. Yeah, but then Madrid, obviously, that's they they are so short uh, for cash that they still go on with the Super League business so uh, I mean how how are they going to find 100, 120 million to spend on, on a 27 year old Harry Kane after the debacle and that is a, it has turned into signing Eden Hazard for the same type of money um, so true good point I, yeah. I, I would I would see like the only re- only real options I see would be to move within England but to move to the northwest and then City looked like looks like the straightforward uh, option because they're obviously uh, the best team right now. I mean, and they look nailed on to be a, a challenger next season as well. I, I can't, I can't even you know fathom them not challenging for the title next season. So that that looks obvious. Uh, Liverpool will definitely be back stronger, I think. And Liverpool would be an intriguing option. I mean, if Liverpool would find the money to 
it, it would go against a lot of what they've done. But they did spend big on Van Dijk and on, on Alisson. And you're getting to the point now where I feel that they would probably do well to kind of, you know, reinvigorate the team with some with a statement signing uh, to get going again. So I think Liverpool could be an option in the background if they have the if they have the funds. That would be interesting to see how he could link up with like Salah and Mane and Diogo Jota and maybe see Firmino drop out of of the of the starting eleven and see Kane play that role instead. Uh, I think that would be interesting. Uh, and then the United rumors. Like I can definitely see United spending a lot of money on Harry Kane, but as a United fan, I hope they don't because we also need to strengthen in other areas. And I know that if we if we spend big on Kane, that's the only thing we'll do. Uh, and we need to get players into centre midfield. We might need a new centre back. We definitely need to do something at right back to get some competition for Wan Bissaka. Uh, we have the goalkeeping situation where we don't know if if De Gea is leaving, if 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 Henderson's leaving, we don't know what's going to happen there. So there are a lot of, of issues that we need to to iron out at United first. And then there's always you know these rumors of, of Sancho coming in. And Sancho wouldn't be cheap. So there's no way United would sign Sancho and Kane. So if we'd sign Kane, you know, we already got Cavani for a new deal. We got Greenwood. We got Rashford. Is the centre forward the priority or should we, should we focus on someone for the right wing? I believe we should focus on someone for the right wing. Uh... To, to be have a to have a more clear and natural option there, so Sancho would be a, a good deal. It's just you, you never know with United. You never know what they what they think and and how they approach a transfer season because last season they they tried to negotiate the price down for Sancho for like two months and because they didn't want to pay twenty million extra and instead went and signed two young wingers for like a combined forty five million rather than just spending an extra 20 on Sancho, who's the same age and plays for Dortmund and is one of the best assist creators in, in Europe. It's just sometimes you, it's impossible to understand how they how they think and how they operate. Uh, so I, I wouldn't put it beyond them to, to spend a lot of money on Kane, but I would, from Kane's perspective, I wouldn't go to United because they look a long way away from, from challenging City, I think, uh, over over a full season of actually going and winning winning the league, I thought I, I think City or Liverpool would be better options in that in that regard. Yeah, no, I agree, and I think Kane. It would be the perfect time to sign a player like that with Aguero leaving, and to replace that kind of character and that kind of uh, like club legend with another player who's so established and has such such uh, proven quality as Harry Kane would be uh, perfect. But I also think that. Lewandowski, man, I think that's going to become a thing. Uh, I've seen that. I've seen that churning in the rumor mills recently, and it makes perfect sense. You know, he's he's just scored 40 league goals for Bayern Munich. I mean, the man has broken every. Like, what what more do you want to win in Germany? You know, yeah. um, and he's the kind of player that's like, you know, he's ambitious. He, it's time for something else, man. And yeah. he's 32. He, I think he's got at least another four years at the top. He's that kind of. Uh, athlete you know that kind of physical specimen that just kind of can age really well and uh, just continue to to play at the top level like a Ronaldo type you know but Mm. um, I think that's going to be more and more uh, prominent in the news because he's going to cost somewhere around 60 million good for another in my opinion at least three years I I I see that becoming a thing because it's looking like Messi's not going to happen even though yeah. I'm not going to lose hope on that just yet, but that doesn't look like it's going to happen. So I think it's going to be either Kane or uh, Lewandowski this summer. I think that will become the thing that will become the big, the big transfer, the biggest transfer this summer rumor in England will yeah. be between Harry Kane or Lewandowski going to city is what I predict. Yeah. And as we, as we talked about uh, a few weeks ago, that this development in football right now could be that uh, we are looking at these like more physical, bigger center forwards will will come back even more in fashion. And I mean, Lewandowski is already there as one of the prime examples of what you can get from a striker who can do everything. I mean, he can run the channels, he can link play, he can drop off as a false nine, he can, you know, dominate defenders in the air. So he's he's the complete center forward, and and he's someone who, if as we predicted. Uh, when teams start to try and crowd central areas even further, and you have to attack through the wings, we're probably looking at at you know more crossing 
in in football in the next few years. And then Lewandowski would be someone who would be perfect for your attack when you need to break down a team to create an, an option to to go on the outside. And if you can't get into those inside channels that, that City always look to get into and they do so fantastically well, you might at some point need to break you know break the pattern with just some some uh, crosses from from the you know the real proper wide areas and and then Lewandowski would be a great option to have in your in your squad uh so yeah um i i do think he'll stay though uh for, at Bayern i think uh they have a new new coach coming in with Nagelsmann and and uh, it looks it looks like uh, it's going to be an interesting season for them and uh, i think some of these players that worked with Pep uh before have seen what a what a coach can do, and and Nagelsmann seems to be extremely highly touted in in Germany. So hopefully we will see him being able to keep you know the core of that team and then work and try and develop them further. It would be interesting to see if, what Lewandowski can add to his game, if if anything, uh, given how complete he is. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, next next season he's got 42 goals in him. Yeah, I mean that's the thing in Germany now. Like, I, I <laughs> really wanted to, I really wanted to score on the final day to, uh, to actually, because he's he's equaled uh, Gerd Müller's record, hasn't he? Uh, I think he has 40 goals in 28 games, which is just incredible. Uh, but he needs to get one more to have the record uh, on it, on his own right, I think. Uh, so he has that to to deal with first. Um, uh, it would be would be great to to see. Uh, to see him actually have that record on his own because he certainly deserves that after after this this uh, campaign he's just had. Oh man, I thought he had broken it. I thought 40 was the record, but okay, one more, one more, and then yeah, you can I come might to be city. wrong. I might be wrong, but I'm 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 sure it, he needs one more to have the record in his own right. He's he he's the equal record holder right now. Okay, I believe you, and uh, I'm sure he will do that with three games to to go in Germany, but. Um, yeah. Dang, before, man, let's... before we finish today, I would like to hear your views and your thoughts on uh, on Mourinho rocking up at, at at Roma. Oh man, I think that's going to be a train wreck. Okay. <laughs> because to put it to put that's that's what I think is going to happen because um, just of the nature of the of the signing, the timing, you know, like he he only got sacked from Tottenham like a what was it like a a few weeks a week even, yeah, yeah like. And so to me, that just kind of screamed like desperation, you know, like I got to get another job. I got, I can't go out like this. Like wh- who will have me, you know? And, mm-hmm. and uh, Roma, I mean, well, okay. So I think it'll go one of two ways. All right. I, I'm going to backtrack because I think it'll be a, a train wreck, but it could also be, it could also be really good if Roma, they're not going to win the league, but if they, you know, show like significant improvement, um, mm-hmm. But I don't. I just don't see it. I don't. I don't see that being a fit. But uh, I. I would like. I don't. I don't really care. I think Mar- I have respect for Mourinho. I hear stories about how, like you know, how good of a person he is off the field, and um, you know how he does things. Like that's that's what I love to hear about in terms of managers is you know them being really human and doing doing kind things. You know, outside of the football pitch, even though every, you know you you think of Mourinho as being this evil guy that's just about winning and doesn't care who he steps on to get there. But um, no, I don't think it'll go well. And uh, yeah. yeah, just again, like I said, just because like when I when it happened, it was so quick after he got sacked from yeah. Tottenham. So I was just like, that, that doesn't seem like you know a well thought out kind of uh, you know planned comeback that seems like oh i gotta get a job who who's gonna who's got an opening where can i go and uh yeah where's where's roma gonna finish this season like seventh or so yeah so i mean yeah the the expectations are low and this is the first time Mourinho is going to coach a team where he's not expected to win a trophy Mm. you know what i mean that's that's kind of what i that's kind of what i i feel like this signing is is like okay like let's see if he can improve us and get us back on track but I don't think like unless it's you know they're not going to win the league and you know if you want if you want to aim for winning, uh you know the what is it the Coppa Italiana or whatever yeah. Coppa Italia like that's you know an interesting aim to have but I just don't see I don't see it going well especially I mean if the goal is to finish in the Champions League then then it might go well maybe yeah. but he's yeah. not going to win it. I don't I don't see him winning any trophies. Yeah, uh, it's it's an interesting one because my initial reaction was the same as yours that this feels like Mourinho, you know, desperately scrambling for a last shot at at staying in 
you know, in the big time because he's, it's obvious, I think, that he's burned his bridges in in Britain. Uh, I don't think he's going to coach there again. Uh, it would be Chelsea then, just for emotional reasons, for you know he's been so successful there in the past. Uh, but that that's still a, a few years down the line if if that would would ever happen. I mean he's he's been at United and Spurs since, so it's not like he's uh, tried to to what do you say like um, keep the the relationship with Chelsea as I'm, I'm a one club man in England. I only work for Chelsea stuff like that. So it, it's 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 not as easy as bringing him back as they did the first time. Um, but I mean, when you look at Roma's squad, it's also weird in the way that it's not a it's not a Mourinho squad. It's a it's a very young squad, and he's obviously big on signing experienced players. Um, and you have a few of them. You have the likes of Jekyll, and you have the likes of his former players, Mkhitaryan and Smalling and and Pedro, who I think he signed for Chelsea. Uh, and then there's a few players that I think would fit in terms of mentality with with what Mourinho wants from his players and the total dedication and devotion to to winning the likes of Gianluca Mancini uh, the likes of of uh, of Roger Ibanez the likes of Veretout uh, Pastore. Pastore I think Pastore is, is a weird one because I don't know I don't know really where he stands he hasn't played much this season but he's this obviously is still a talented player in there even though it was a long time since he consistently demonstrated that but but he's still there of course and then david santon came through at inter with Mourinho as the coach so they obviously have a have a, or at least had a really good relationship back then uh, and then you have the captain pellegrini who we talked about before who's someone who uh he's not as you know in this in the same um, bracket as Kane that he's a world-class player who wants to go and uh, play for a bigger team to win trophies. He's a he's a you know he's a Roman and he plays for for Roma and he's the captain. So he's obviously in a way fulfilling his dream. But he's someone that they would probably look to keep uh, over time here because I, I'm pretty sure if he would signal that he would like to leave, then Juventus and Inter and Milan and wh- whoever uh, would would look to to sign him you know straight away because he's he's that good. Um, so the squad is is kind of young. There are some experienced players, but I do think that Mourinho will have been promised significant investment because I I don't see him taking over a seventh place team just for the sake of having a job. Uh, if he goes there, there must be a feeling on his part that he could actually do something. And in terms of legacy and in terms of creating uh, a sort of connection with fans and and creating a a legend around yourself there's no place better than than rome uh there's this it's i think it's famous in a way that romans uh since the world or the the their world at one point a lot like all of europe and northern africa was controlled by romans this thinking still exists that um what happens in 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 rome uh, that that's the world, and who rules Rome rules the world in a way. And it it sounds it sounds oh, you know, no. outrageous. It sounds outrageous, but no, like I like the picture you're painting right now. I just yeah. hate that. I just I that's a that's a cool. No, I love this. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, and it's just uh, even though we're talking about football, we're not talking about like total domination over other peoples like the Roman Empire, but we're talking about creating uh, a sense of of Rome taken up the fight with the North, northern clubs and no it's, i wouldn't say rome is in southern italy it's more like central but if we draw a line below milan for example in terms of geography no team below that line has won the italian league the serie a since 2001 when roma did it uh, with the likes of totti and battistuta and those players and capello as the coach uh so the challenge is massive and if you know if you relish the challenge and you feel that you're up for the intense passion of these fans that that see Roma as their world and see Roma as, as even though they're seventh I'm pretty sure a lot of Romans would still feel that you know we're going to win the league next season because they have uh, you know it's a stereotypical painting but like it's it's the idea is is usually in, in Roman folklore that you you are the best and even their their club anthem they sing that you were born great and great you will remain or something like that uh, so it's just 
if you if you can succeed in Rome and if you can be popular in Rome, like I I I don't think it's it, it's like it anywhere else. It is you know it wouldn't be the same in London. It wouldn't be the same in Manchester. It wouldn't be the same in Madrid. But if you become like famous in and and really successful in Rome and you can create this connection with the fans, like the connection Totti had or the connection De Rossi had. I mean, you're you're uh, you're immortal in a way, and and surely that's something that would uh, that would appear um, and uh, you know be alluring for someone like Mourinho, who often creates this this uh, I wouldn't say cult, but he he tries to create this this uh, thinking around him that he is uh, extremely special, and he he always comes back to sharing things on social media and talking about what he's done in the past. Um, so in that sense, that nostalgic, romantic sense, I think it's a perfect fit in terms of ideologies of of him and of of the town and the club. He's actually uh, will he actually will lead uh, going into next season. Damn, you just made me a believer, man. Now I'm, I'm <laughs> I I had like evil music playing in my head when you were saying all that because now I see I see I see what uh, what's possible and. Okay, maybe maybe Roma are gonna win the league next year in the Champions League <laughs> I, like, and everything. Just to just to be clear, I don't think they will. Uh, but yeah, but, but that's but um, that all that was all that was all made perfect sense, and that uh, I'm, I'm yeah, nervous now. There's a chance, and as long as there's a chance, uh, it's it should be alluring for for someone like Mourinho who obviously believes a lot in these types of things. Uh, you know what's. Uh, well, yeah, well, I, I agree with that. And uh, no, no, now I'm at least very interested to see what he'll do. But uh, one more player who I think will excel under Mourinho at Roma is uh, Nicolo Zaniolo. Um, yeah. I think he's just a player in general. I think he's great. But um, all right, man, dang, we uh, we kind of chopped it up and moved all across Europe. And uh, yeah, what a what an episode. That was fun. But uh, oh, can we talk about something really random in the soccer world really quick? Go on. I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you what happened in my in my soccer world recently. So, um, you know, I played before I moved to Sweden and played uh, in Budin with and met you. Uh, I went to university, you know, and you play you play for your university in the, in America. That's the natural order of things. You play club soccer until you're 19, and then you play uh, four years at university if you're if you're serious, you know. Mm. Um, that's the normal path. There's there's exceptions, of course, but. So I graduate, I went to two, um, there's, there's what's called the National Collegi- Collegiate Athletic Association. It's the main, you know, s- uh, governing body of uh, collegiate athletics. And there's divisions to that. There's one, two, and three, you know, and that's uh, theoretically like division one is the best. And, uh, you know, then two and three are uh, uh, lower than that. But mm. so anyway, I went to a, a school, uh, a division one school called Marshall university in West Virginia. And, uh, we were, we were never a very special team. We, we finished like in the middle of our conference. We never won our conference tournament or anything. Uh, we always had, we always had winning records, but we never did anything very special. I think our highest ranking at any time was maybe in the, in the forties or something, which is not, not terrible, but uh, it's nothing special, obviously. And, you know, I think yeah. we'd end the season. Uh, and I'm talking about like a, a national ranking of all the division one programs. Mm. Uh, so from one to like, whatever it was, 290 or something like that. And okay. I could be way off by that anyway. So we were never a very special team, but what happened is Marshall university invested in a new soccer stadium, a beautiful new, you know, four or five, whatever it was, million dollar soccer stadium they they brought in an english coach who had been, co- been coaching at a division 2 school before uh before he came to marshall and this guy this english coach man is just i don't know what he's done and i actually had him as a coach for one season in the summer uh in a summer league that that happens in america uh yeah. for college players but anyway so we were never anything special and this year Marshall University won the Division One College National Championship. Oh, incredible! It's, it's incredible, man. It's like I'm I'm telling you, I don't I'm trying to explain all these all these different things so that you can kind of grasp like how incredible it is. But it's not gonna mm. it's not gonna do it justice, man, because it's crazy, especially for me seeing what we were at one point 
And don't get me wrong, man, I am so proud. I'm so happy that my alma mater is now the best college soccer team in the country. But mm. um, the incredible thing, man, is this is this path. And it, it's so funny because it's it's such like a Graham Potter path and in, in, at a much different scale. Yeah. But, um, you know, this English coach who's obviously got some incredible tactics and also incredible recruiting ability because he's recruited players from Germany, from Brazil, you know, like like amazing players for this level. Players who came up through uh, Leverkusen, through uh, Gladbach, I believe, as well. So so really quality players who he's he, he's convinced to come to school in the United States. And man, we he went on and won the national championship. And I'm just like blown away by that. So. Uh, very we'll proud to, week for for Eddie for Eddie Prue over here in, uh, we'll, in Seattle. We'll have to have him on at some point then and and discuss how he did this. And just oh, man. I think I think people need need uh, to know this that uh, Marshall University probably has the best nickname in sports, the Thundering Herd. So yeah, we're we're happy. <laughs> it's we're not happy a nickname, man. It's more it's more serious. That's the that's the mascot, you know. A little, little okay. but I but I hear what you're saying. But I hear what you're saying. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. that's right. We are the Thundering Herd, man. And we just thundering herded our way to a national championship. It's it's really incredible, honestly. Um, yeah. So anyway, my point of all that is is that uh, is there's so many different paths that you know players and coaches alike can take. Because I see this coach, his name's Chris Grassy. I see him uh, going on to coach maybe in the MLS or something, and who knows beyond? I have no idea. But it's an incredible story what he's done there. And uh, yeah, I mean, if nothing else, I had to shout out my alma mater, but. Anyway, that's uh, that's enough for me tonight. So, I think we uh, I think we're good. You have anything else you want to say before we uh, wrap it up? No, I'm happy. Yeah, that was a great episode, man. It's fun to to chop it up across the across Europe, and uh, unfortunately, that means the end of the seasons over there. But uh, they'll be back soon enough, and hopefully, with fans in the stands when they are back. So, thanks for tuning in. Thank you, David, for waking up nice and early to join us over here in the U.S. Um, don't forget everybody to check out, uh, running the show blog.wordpress.com for all of our article content and definitely check out the, uh, the piece that David wrote on Lille a couple weeks ago, because they will hopefully be crowned, uh, champions this weekend. But anyway, th- that's our, uh, that's our summary of the, the final day or final days of, uh, leagues across Europe and a couple other topics. So. Once again, thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next time. Night, everybody.